If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander, and my friends call me Bill, and welcome to another edition of Online with Bill Alexander here on Fayette TV Channel 77 and also on YouTube every Tuesday and Thursday nights, depending on when I want to do the show. It's my show, I get to do it whenever I want. But anyhow, hopefully everybody's having a fine day, and today we're actually going to be talking more, I don't want to say radio, I'm going to talk internet radio today and uh, talk about a station that I uh, do a program for every week uh, called America's Classic Standards and if you're watching us on Fayette TV you've actually had the opportunity to hear the program overnight and the program originally airs on WMCK.FM and right now on the phone line I have Jason Toger on the line the do I want to call creator of WMCK.FM? <laughs> you, uh, you can call me one of the people behind it. Uh, good evening, Bill. Uh, yeah, I'm the, exec- I'm the executive director of the uh, corporation that oversees, the nonprofit corporation that oversees the uh, radio station. And, and we, <laughs> we've been around for three years, but we haven't bothered coming up with titles like uh, <laughs> uh, program director, news director, station manager. It's, it's been very seat of our pants uh, so far. So what what was the whole idea behind WMCK.FM? Do uh, you remember the, the scene in uh, the movie Citizen Kane where uh, Orson Welles tells his financial advisor, I think it would be fun to run a newspaper. Yes. Um, we, we thought it would be fun to run a radio station. Um, we had, uh, uh, me and a group of friends, uh, almost 20 years ago now, um, investigated getting a low-power FM radio station uh, license uh, in the McKeesport area. And for various and sundry reasons, um, the, the LPFM, as they call it, legislation never really took off um, until uh, about five years ago. Uh, so we were frozen out of that, but 
you know, the idea was always there that, you know, like Orson Welles, it would be fun to run a radio station. <laughs> um, you know, and in the meantime, though, we, we all got older, got married, had kids, drifted away, drifted back. Um, so we have a this nonprofit corporation that we call Tube City Community Media, which was running a couple of websites. And uh, what happened was we, we finally decided, well, if we, if we wait forever for low-power FM to come back, it, it may never happen. So let's make this happen ourselves. Um, we had enough people who were kind of had the radio bug and, and were itching uh, to do something with it. And so in 2015, uh, we finally put it together. We were able to raise some, some startup money from a couple of local foundations, uh, donations uh, f- from our volunteers and from our board members, and, and we were able to go on the air. I think it was the first week of October in uh, 2015. Okay. So give us a little bit of background about yourself. Did you Have you worked in radio before? Is that how you got bitten by the bug? Or is it something you've always wanted to do and now you have the opportunity to do it? I have um, been fascinated by radio since I was about six or seven years old. My grandmother gave me a, a little transistor radio. Uh, Walkmans had just come out, and um, she gave me what I think she thought, God bless her, she's been gone for several years now, uh, which I think she thought was a Walkman, but it was actually a, an AM radio. Okay. Um, and I remember, just like most kids um, who have had toy, uh, little radios, keeping it under my pillow at night and turning it on late one night. And the first station I got, I think, was CKLW in Windsor, Ontario. Okay. And then I think I came up with, uh, was it uh, uh, WOI in Des Moines, Iowa? I think that's WOI. So the the big clear channel 50,000-watt stations uh, were booming in at night. And I was just fascinated. Oh, my God, this is a, it's a magic radio that can pick up Canada. Um, or they can pick up Iowa. Well, now I know better now, but um, I was hooked on listening to radio from then on. Uh, in 1999-2000, I was working for the Tribune Review. I became the radio and TV editor. Um, I got to know uh, Zeke Jackson, uh, who uh, some of your listeners will remember from uh, WARO, uh, radio, WWCS radio uh, in Cannonsburg. Yes. Uh, Zeke was working at, at w, uh, WCS in Cannonsburg at the time, and he said, boy, I've just been hired as, as station manager, but I could really use some help doing a website, doing some other stuff. And I said, that's great, Zeke, because I'm really burned out on this radio TV critic job, and I'm transferring back to the news department, so I'll come down and help you. Okay. Uh, so in 2000, I went down and, and started helping Zeke. At 5:40, and uh, we all got bounced out the door about six months later when Radio Disney came in. And, uh, uh, I, and I remember start- that because I was working at WJPA at the time, yeah. and you guys yeah. in Cannesburg really never had a, a uh, let's say a coherent format. <laughs> uh, it was whoever showed up with a box of records. <laughs> exactly right. Um, you know, when Zeke was on the air, it was very much up-tempo, uh, what we would call Pittsburgh oldies, and then right. some of the other guys would show up with the, with the ballads, the, the, the doo-wop and the slower songs. Um, but we were starting to get a li- just a little bit of traction, just the tiniest little bit. I remember I was so excited. I sold, uh, I, I don't want to mention the, 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 the person's, the, the car dealer's name, but to one of the local car dealers, I sold a weekend's worth of commercials. Okay. Um, and that was like my biggest sale in six months of 
doing sales part-time for them. Um, and we were so excited because they said, you know, we'll give everyone who walks into the dealership that weekend a hat. And they ran out of hats. So who, who mentions the station a hat? And they ran out of hats that weekend. So we were really excited that, hey, somebody out there is listening. And we were starting to hear some, some noise that we were showing up as a blip finally in the ratings. Right. Not that we had any real listeners, but it was way down there. And we, we think now... This is going on, what, 18 years ago. We think now <laughs> all we did was talk ourselves out of a job because, <laughs> because one of my jobs as the webmaster was to forward to the station owner up in Detroit yes. all of the emails that were coming into the website. Every time we got a request, every time we got you know, a question, and, and all of a sudden we were getting all these emails into the website. And I think all I was doing was proving to him that there was an audience there and you know, making it possible for him then to sell the station or to lease the station to Radio Disney. You, Anyways. You actually, then you would have worked with a, a guy that I worked with by the name of Brandon Cunning. Brandon Cunning, yeah. I haven't seen him for a long time, but yes, uh, I, I know Brandon. He's in Tennessee right now. I think he's following the travels of Elvis. I think he still thinks he's alive. Well, Brand, Brandon, Brandon, and we're really off the track now here, but uh, Brandon got used to get in trouble at that station at 540 in Cannonsburg because Brandon, as I do, loves rockabilly music. Right. And Pittsburgh does not love rockabilly music. Which amazes me. High on a Hill me. by Scott English, yes. High on a Hill by Scott English, yes. You know, slow songs, flip sides, yes. But, you know, you play a, uh, 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 um, I'm trying, trying to think of someone, uh, um, Jerry Lee Lewis record, or not even Jerry Lee Lewis, some of the other deeper rockabilly artists, and people would call up and say, get that crap off the radio. So Brandon used to get in trouble for playing rockabilly records, is what I remember about Brandon. Because he used to work with me when I worked at WJPA, and he had the same problem okay. there. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we never quite coalesced as a coherent format, but we only had about six months of, of doing that. So... Um, then I was really, like, at loose ends, and I called a friend of mine, or I emailed a friend of mine who was volunteering at uh, Carnegie Mellon's uh, radio station, okay, uh, 88.3 WRCT, and I said, do you guys ever use community volunteers? And he said, well, it's funny that you're asking that, because it's summertime, and the college is on break, and we have a bunch of time to fill, so how would you like to fill 6 to 9 a.m.s on Saturdays, which is, a, you know, absolutely great time slot. Lots of people listening then. Right. Um, in, insomniacs, uh, all-night truck drivers, uh, uh, people who got drunk the night before and left the radio on. Mm -hmm. so, so, <laughs> so I got to fill that time slot for, for a couple of years. But um, So yeah, that's the, that's the radio bug bit me as a little so, kid. Um, I didn't get into it as an, until I was uh, an adult and out of college, um, and I've been sort of kicking around ever since. So I, I find that interesting that uh WCRT was willing to let community volunteers. Did you have any connection with Carnegie Mellon beforehand, or was it just... I had, I had gotten my um, uh, undergraduate degree there okay. in English so uh, in the 90s. In yeah. other words, alumni came back and they got the disc jockey yeah. program. Yes. Yes, in, in the, like I said, in that valuable 6 to 9 a.m. Saturday time slot. Hey, I'd kill for I that think it was originally to 5 to 8. I think it was originally 5 to 8 a.m., so I would have to drive in at like 4 o'clock in the morning from McKeesport, and that's just, that, that was, there was no humor there. Well, I'm trying to convince my alma, alma mater to let me do the same thing, and I'm only 10 minutes away from it. 
See, there you go. That's it, a little bit better. So it's a little bit better, but anyhow. So, WMCK, the yeah. whole idea coming on. Why the internet? Why not low-power low power FM? Well, uh, to make a long story short, there just aren't frequencies. Okay. Um, you know, there, there, there weren't the, – the, the FM dial – uh, is divided up in, in as you know, and, and probably the listeners know, when you tune on your car radio or whatever, it goes from 88.1 to 88.3 to 88.5 to 88.7. So it's it's 0.2 megahertz increments or 200 kilohertz increments. Um, that's as close together as FM radio stations can be put, or else they start to interfere with one another, right? Right. Um, the idea of low-power FM was that it was going to be you know, whereas a full-power FM radio station may be, say, 500 watts or 3,000 watts or some of the really big ones, like in Pittsburgh, 50,000 watts on FM, these low-power were going to be 10 watts to 100 watts. Um, the big broadcasters, the big companies that own most of the radio stations in the United States, uh, were obviously objecting to this, that this is, you know, interfering with their monopoly. It's like you've got a... Uh, uh, a corner where there's Wendy's, Burger King, and McDonald's, and on the fourth corner you want to put a food truck. Well, obviously, Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King are going to fight to keep your food truck off that corner, right? They don't need the competition. Right. And that's what happened with low-power FM. So they fought it through the courts, they fought it through the FCC, and it dragged on and on and on and on until 2011, 2012 or so, when uh, the, just finally the court fights had all run out, the FCC fights had all run out, and most importantly... And I don't want to make this political necessarily. Um, Ob Pro uh, President Obama had appointed a new FCC, and the new FCC was more open to this idea of competition. The problem was that in the time when the low-power FM service was created in 1999-2000 until 2011-2012, whatever it was, when the low-power FM, uh, w when they started actually licensing some of the low-power FMs, all those frequencies, and there weren't that many to begin with, had been filled in by other radio stations. Okay. So they're just in the Pittsburgh area, and it's, it's ironic that uh, Congressman Mike Doyle out of Pittsburgh was one of the people who created the low-power FM service. He's the one of the ones who wrote the original legislation. But there are no low-power FM stations in Pittsburgh because it's like most big cities. All of the frequencies it's that could be used are filled up. Yeah. 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 So, so now, that's why. Now, do you think... The, the other reason the low-power FM decided not to happen is because of this giving away all these translators to these AM stations. Well, that's a whole other story. Yeah, the, the, so the, the AM radio stations, you know, why did FM in the, in the 70s start to take over from AM in terms of especially music programming? Because FM signals are higher fidelity, they're wider bandwidth, they're clearer, so music sounded better on FM. Some of us think music sounds better on AM, but most people think music sounds better on FM. And, and to, frankly, they're right for, the, for most. For most of it, yeah. Um, well, this leaves the FM stations at a disadvantage. To, to use my metaphor about the Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King all in the corner again, imagine you have you know, Wendy's, McDonald's, and Burger King all on the you know, main corner of, I don't know, uh, Route 51 and, and I-70, and you've got your own hamburger restaurant, but it's way up a back street, up a back alley where nobody ever drives. Right. Well, you'd be pretty unhappy about that. And that's what AM has kind of been in the position of for the last 20 or 30 years. The, the radio manufacturers, if they remember to put an AM 
receiver on the radio, they don't put a very good one on. Exactly. That's, that's another problem. Exactly. So the AM radio stations, uh, 590 WMBS, uh, for instance, you know, now they're at a competitive disadvantage because they're losing some listeners who won't turn them on no matter how good their programming is, won't turn them on at all simply because they're on AM. So the AM radio station owners went to the FCC and said, hey, can we have basically a, a, the equivalent of a low-power FM station, like 250 watts on FM, to rebroadcast our AM stations? And there's a couple things that, that I have issue with this. Number one, they don't have to give up their existing AM station. They just get, a, they get another station, basically, as a bonus. Right. Uh, number two... A lot of AM stations, one of the reasons why they're penalized, to go back to my story about my grandma buying me the AM radio, um, one of the reasons they're pen- they, they're, they face a penalty is that most AM radio stations in this country have to either go off the air at local sunset or they have to reduce their power. And the reason being that AM radio signals travel a long way at night. Um, so the stations who got there the fir- in the first place KDKA being the prime example in the Pittsburgh area, they get to broadcast 50,000 watts a day and night. But any other stations that are on 1020 in the United States have to power down at night. Um, so all these stations that had to power down at night, they're like, hey, we're losing, you know, in this time of year, sunset can be, five, you know, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. That's hard to get your afternoon drive time if people are leaving work and the station is signing off the air. Uh, so they wanted these FM stations. Well, now they can broadcast 24 hours on FM, even though they're not broadcasting 24 hours on AM. It's all, I mean, I, I get why the AM stations want the FM stations. Um, I get that, but it, it seems a little bit unfair, especially since they have now filled up all these frequencies that were supposed to have been used originally for the low power FM. Yeah, and I um, understand it, it, that because I worked at um, a, a daytimer when I worked mm-hmm. at WASP AM. I have and, too. And again, it was one of those situations where you're the general manager. You couldn't have a staff because you would you would be readjusting your staff's hours so you could fill that time, especially in the summer sure. when you had to go long, and then you'd reduce hours in the winter because they had to cut back. The mm-hmm. other thing that bothers me about these um, um, these translators is. A lot of these stations that are getting them. The translator is just overlaid over top of the AM rate, the AM area, right? And it's not giving you a better signal. It's covering the same place, if not a shorter distance. And yeah. right now, where we're down here, now we'll use WMBS because they have one hundred one point one FM mm-hmm. as theirs. It doesn't go as far as the AM does. And then, when if you go just outside of it, of their coverage area in Fayette County, which is where I'm at. You get the jazz station out of Pittsburgh, which is now 101.1 FM. Yep. Uh, th- that's an interesting example because um, I, I do a podcast for Tube City Community Media um, that airs on WEDO and McKeesport and on WZUM, the jazz station right. in Pittsburgh. And what's interesting to me, though, and this, this goes back to the reason why the AM radio station owners wanted these FM translators. Now, I have the... The jazz station has been on 1550 AM since, I think, 2016. Thereabouts, yeah. Um, when, when that 101.1 signal signed on just about a year ago, I think it was almost exactly 12 months ago, um, several people emailed me to say, I heard you on the radio on mm-hmm. that new station. 
And I said, what new station? And they said, 101.1 FM. It's a brand new station. And I said, well, actually, it's been on for two years. It's just been on 1550 AM. And they said, oh, well, I, I never heard of 1550. Who would listen to AM? Why would it be on right. AM? And it's like, and so that's what you're running up against is, you know, no matter how good it is on AM, it is an uphill battle to try to get people right. to, to listen to it. Um, and and that's, it's, it's sad but true. The AM band has a lot to recommend it, including the fact that it goes long distances. Um, but it really, uh, the, the, the joke in the radio community is antique modulation. Exactly. It actually, <laughs> it actually stands for amplitude modulation, but it's antique modulation. So uh, unfortunately, that's the case with AM right now. And, and the other thing is, too, which is frustrating about it, is that these major corporations, key market communication being one of them, Came in in the early two thousand. Ribbit, ribbit. Yeah, as my as my son, my son who's now nineteen year old, nineteen years old, will tell you if you ask, say anything about them, he'll say that that's what Daddy said killed radio in the region, because they did. They basically gutted community radio stations. They bought them. They used them for a few years, and then they made them go dark. Well, I was just going to say, you know what? Well, you know, uh, I'm going to sound like Jay Leno here on uh, Don. What's my beef? You know, my beef is, Bill, um, my beef is that they did come in and they bought, for instance, uh, 940 and 98.3 in yes. Charleroi, the old, w, the old WESA, Wisa. Uh, down in Wisa in Chamber Plaza, and they sold, or they moved 98.3 FM to Duquesne. And the reason they told the FCC this is they said, well, we're going to keep 940 AM in Shawleroy. So right. the people in Shawleroy will still have a local radio station. We're just moving this one closer to Pittsburgh. And then after a year or two, maybe longer, but not much longer, they turned 940 in Shawleroy off. So now the people in Shawleroy have Nothing. no local radio station at all. And that just, that that's my beef. That grinds my gears, Bill. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you sound like someone else I know. Uh <laughs> But Eric's not on the program tonight. So. <laughs> yeah, I think you've had Eric on your show. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, but so WMCK. Meanwhile, back at WMCK. WMCK, yeah. So in in McKeesport, like most of the the, the smaller cities outside of Pittsburgh, Uniontown, Greensburg, Washington, McKeesport, New Kensington, we had two AM radio stations. We had thirteen sixty AM. And we had a 10 a.m. Now, 1360 was really focusing on Pittsburgh as early as the late 1960s. Right. So they have not really been a local radio station in the McKeesport area since probably 1970 or so. And, in fact, their studio is now located in New Kensington. So even though the tower transmitter is in McKeesport, the studios are long gone and they have really nothing to do with McKeesport, other than it, once an hour they have to say that they're broadcasting from McKeesport, but that's it. So they're not really a local station anymore. The 810 AM station uh, was trying sort of kind of to do McKeesport programming, but mm -hmm. most of their day was paid programming. So yes. if you can pay for an hour, you can come on and broadcast whatever you want. And some people were broadcasting ethnic music or ethnic programming, but other people were just broadcasting hour-length, hour-long commercials. Infomercials. And, yeah, and then that, that station has now been sold to another owner. It's still in the McKeesport area, um, but it's more or less doing the same thing. It broadcasts program-length commercials. Um, and 
neither one of those things, you know, you look at that and how do I say this politely? (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) One thing I noticed at Carnegie Mellon's station, right, um, and and I've been volunteering there on and off for 17 years, I think, or 18 years, um, is the declining involvement of young people. Yes. Because if you're a young person, what is there to get excited about? On the radio, when I was seven or eight years old and could tune around and hear, you know, different voices and people with funny accents and whatever on the r- different radio stations all around the country, that was exciting. But if you tune around now, you get the same couple programs right. all over the country. Um, and so what is there to get a little kid or a young person excited about being on the radio certainly not to listen to an hour-long commercial for a chiropractor or or, or an hour-long commercial for vitamins exactly which is what a lot of radio stations are running now because they're since deregulation uh under bill clinton they're allowed to do that yeah so that's what our stations in mckeesport were basically running were you know hour-long commercials and we, we had two goals here one besides just having fun was to provide a training ground for young people or old people mm-hmm. to do radio who were not going to be allowed to, as we did in Cannonsburg in 2000, right? You know, right. the guys with the shoebox full of right. records coming up to the station, that, that they were not going to have any place to go on the air. Well, we'll give them a place to go on the air. Um, and our oldest disc jockey so far has been 85 or 86 years old. Okay. Um, we'd like to have some more young people uh, involved. Um, we are moving into the former Daily News, McKeesport Daily News building in a few weeks, and we're hoping that uh, we will get some more young people. I'd love to have um, 13, 14, 15, 20-year-olds uh, playing radio, yes. uh, doing, doing, doing whatever they wanted to do as long as it was you know, sort of PG-rated. Okay, so I, I heard this term in it, it recently, and I don't know where I heard it, but I think it fits WMCK real well, and they're calling it virtual radio. Virtual radio? What is that? Which is basically creating the programming in your mm-hmm. own space and then mm-hmm. sending it to somebody to have a merit. And actually, the ones I heard doing that was WZUM 1550. That makes sense. And, and I'm um, going, that makes a yeah. lot of sense. It, it's it's a new idea and it's not a new idea. Um, the, the there have always been, for instance, uh, when I worked for the Tribune Review, um, I interviewed Bruce Williams. Do you remember Bruce Williams? Yes. Yes. Um, Bruce Williams did his coast to coast talk show from the kitchen of his house in Florida, mm-hmm. and you would have never known that even in 1999, 2000, that Bruce was sitting there. You know, I'm talking to him on the phone. And, you know, you can hear the toaster and whatever because he's, he's making himself lunch before he goes on the radio right. in his kitchen at home, walking around in his slippers. Um, so the technology has always been there if you were a nationally syndicated program. There have been uh, 
I, I think Don McNeil's Breakfast Club, I think he originated that from his house. I think Rambling with Grambling on WOR. Now I'm really losing your entire audience. I apologize. Well, there's, a few, next there's, time. A, few, there's a few out there that know who you're talking about. Because <laughs> I know Clark's listening. Time. I know Clark's listening yeah. right now, so that's one. <laughs> we've we'll, we'll we'll, we got some really great toy commercials coming up for you, I promise. But anyways, um, the so there have always been, if you were, were a big enough star, that you could do the program from your house right. or whatever. What's happening now is the barrier to entry is so low for under $300 plus a laptop, you can be putting together a pretty good-sounding radio program. Oh, exactly. Um, so for, for a station like ours, which is only Internet-based, um, that makes it easy for – I mean, we do have a studio right now. We rent space from a – one of the local churches in downtown McKeesport. But like I said, we will be moving to the former McKeesport Daily News building here in a few weeks. Um, you can come to our studio and do the show. I do my show from the studio. A couple of the other disc jockeys do their shows from the studio. But we have some disc jockeys who, like yourself, do the program at home. Um, we've got uh, Doug Goffis, who does a great uh, deep cut oldies show, uh, actually kind of similar to America's Classic Standards in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, that he does from his living room in, in White Oak. Um, and it sounds great. You wouldn't know any different. Um, you no longer need, uh, whereas 20 years ago you needed all this different equipment. You needed a satellite dish or you needed an ISDN right. phone line or, you know, thousands of dollars of equipment. Now you can go to Goodwill yeah. and, and, and find the stuff secondhand. Um, so, yeah, I guess, I guess that's what they mean by virtual radio, that you can do this. I mean, I, I did a show... Uh, in May, uh, and probably we will do the same thing again this coming May, from Dayton Hamvention, which is a big ham radio convention in Dayton, Ohio. I did it from, you know, the Red Roof Inn or wherever we were staying. Uh-huh. Um, I, I walked around with a little digital recorder and interviewed people and then came back to the hotel room and put it together Friday night and uploaded it to the web, and the next day it was on the radio. Um, that's still, that takes me back to being seven or eight years old again. That's still kind of magical. It, what I what I think is interesting about this, and I whenever I got involved with WMCK, which has just been over a year now, mm-hmm. Eric and I, who was Eric O'Brien, who does uh, smooth, relaxing, and easy mm-hmm. on the station, him and I have known each other for almost, it's hard to believe, almost 20 years now when I was program director at WMBS. Mm-hmm. And I did a program that was done in my office at home with actually a lot of the equipment I'm using now to do both programs, this one here and the one for um, um, America's Classic Standards. And what made it that one possible is we were able to record the CD because mm-hmm. all I had to do was put it on a CD, hand it to their program director and say, okay, it airs Saturday night at 7 o'clock, drop the disc in, all the breaks are there and everything else, and it worked. No one knew I wasn't in the studio because I was able to do it here. Now, the same thing, now it's 20... 2018 or 2017 when I started with you guys, now it's 2019, still doing Mm -hmm. the program the same way. And unless you hear a cat in the background or a dog Mm -hmm. barking, you can't tell that the program's done right now in my laundry room of all places. Well, well, if you listen to WMCK, you will occasionally hear the train go by. Yes. Uh, And and I wish that was a joke, but it isn't. (laughs) And um, when we move to the new studio, it will be even louder because... um, 
one of my disc jockeys, I said something about, well, we're going to have a problem with the train going by, uh, the CSX railroad goes by the, the window. And he says, well, we can hear the train whistles now, sometimes on the air. And I said, yeah, but in the new studio, you'll be able to, like, look down into the train and, like, wave to the engineer. Um, it's that close to the, to the train track. So that'll be fun. But, I mean, I've done things on, like, Saturday afternoons. Uh, all of the fire volunteer fire departments in the Mon Valley test their fire sirens at noon, noon on Saturday. And I have stuck the microphone out the window and said, and now it's noon, and here's the fire whistle test. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I remember uh, the old WCVI in Connellsville. Yeah, and I remember visiting them shortly before they went off the air. And, uh, you know, I was sitting there with a disc jockey on the air, and, you know, somebody walked in and just started talking. Hey, I have this lost dog announcement. Do you yes. think you could? And she's like, shh. <laughs> I'm on the air. I'm on the air. Um, so that's live radio, and that's what, to me, that's what's fun about it, not the the super polished, you know, if we want to hear super polished stuff coming from, you know, Tom Kent yeah. or whomever nationwide, that's one thing. But I, I would just as soon hear the Lost Dog report and the train whistle on the background. Well, and, and, and I, I agree with you because I think that was where community was identified by the radio station. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you don't have that anymore. And with that happening, the community has lost their identity. A quick story. Um, this would have been in probably five, six years ago. I worked for WASP. I mm -hmm. was actually working for WMBS when WASP was brought by Key Market Communications. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at bringing a program back. Actually, I was looking at renting the AM station. I have a format called... Um, it, it, it was basically a format, basically what you said. It was all community-oriented. We would do everything locally. If there was something happening on at that moment, we would go break to the fire coverage or whatever it would be, and we would break original programming. Mm -hmm. And I heard this in a station in Bedford probably about 10 years before this, and I'm going, this is a great idea because I'll get the community back involved again. Well, anyway, mm -hmm. WASP went off the air. They went black. Mm-hmm. Somebody I know whose wife, uh, he's an insurance agent in town. His wife was talking to me, knew that I worked in radio, and he asked, she asked me what happened. And I said, they decided that the station was no longer viable. They took it off the air. She said, that is such a shame. She goes, we really miss it. And I went to her, and I said, I find that interesting. I said, because when I worked there and we tried to sell you advertising, you told me no one listened to the radio station. And you told me point blank that no one listened to it. And she oh. just looked at me and she goes, yeah, I did say that, didn't I? I said, yeah. And I said, now it's gone. And that's the whole thing. People do listen to it. People did listen to it. The only problem is they weren't willing to pay for it. And well, that's, that's, that, that, that is, what does Joni Mitchell say in that song? You don't know what you got till it's gone. Um, you know, we, we went through that in, in McKeesport here with the loss of our local newspaper. Yes. Um, I heard so many people who, you know, I worked there for a year, and before I worked there, after I worked there, I heard people call it the Faley News, the Daily Snooze, mm -hmm. uh, the Daily Shooting. Why do I want to read about all the crimes? Why do right. I want to read about all the shootings? Why do I want to read about all this bad news? And then the paper closes at the end of 2015, and January of 2016, everybody's walking around saying, well, gee, I don't know what's happening. I don't right. know. Where, where, where are the obituaries? What happened? Where's the police log? I don't know what's going on in my neighborhood. And I'm thinking, you didn't know what you had till it was gone. Um, 
yeah, that's uh, getting people to pay for media. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> is 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 a real challenge, and 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 with WMCK is is really only a small part of what the bigger Tube City Community Media does, which. In the wake of, of the newspaper closing, we started an obituary website. Um, we used the income from the obituary website then to, we now have a reporter who's covering North Versailles Township and who's covering another reporter who's covering Duquesne and, and White Oak Borough. And, you know, I wish we could produce the kind of content that the Daily News used to put out. We just don't have the revenue. Right. Um, but that is exactly the same problem that happened in Brownsville, which is where WASP was. Right. It has been repeated a a, a thousand times all over the country. And we lost the the Brownsville Telegraph first, and then we lost the radio station. And and you can go, you can look at Connellsville, they lost the Daily Courier there, and you can go through the whole thing that happened because these small communities cannot support, at least that's what they were telling me, they cannot support these media outlets, and I use that in air quotes. Now, Mm -hmm. my question for you is, now this is going to WMCK. How is WMCK being received in the McKeesport area? That's a, we've kind of plateaued, and that's a a source of frustration. Um, A couple of things, and and both of these things, as Jack Bogut would say, uh, these studies could have been funded by the Da Institute for the Obvious, right? Um, (laughs) One being that live local programs get our highest listeners. Of course. So when we have a live local DJ on the air, like tonight, Tuesday night, we had the Electric Crush with Punk and Judy on. Yes. They get a ton of phone calls. They get a ton of emails. Now, the second part of this that is funded by the Die Institute for the Obvious is Punk and Judy promote the H-E double hockey sticks. You can say how. That program, I can say hell. You can say hell. Are we allowed to? Well, the FCC is closed, so I can say whatever I want. Uh, and this airs on local cable, so it works out real well there too. So. There we go. So they promote the heck out of their program. Um, they are on social media. They go to events. They go yeah. to concerts. They hand out buttons with the call letters on it. They hand out business cards, and those two things—the fact that it's live and local, and that they promote means that they have listeners right the rest of the the rest of the schedule and 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 this is not directed at you bill but the rest of the schedule <laughs> promotion 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 is the key yes. um you you think it's going to be a habit right you think people you know if they listen to it for the last three weeks in a row that they're going to listen to it for week number four but they forget it's why coca-cola coca-cola has been around since what 1880 something Right. And yet, Coca-Cola still is one of the biggest advertisers in the country. Just to make sure you remember, just in case you forgot that Coca-Cola exists, hey, we still make Coca-Cola. Um, so the shows on WMCK that promote the most get the most listeners. Which, which makes a lot of sense. Here's, here's the caveat, and this is the frustrating part, and this gets back to your question about AM and FM, right, and the low-power FM. We have a tremendous problem, and I know you have it in Fayette County, we have it in uh, the Mon Valley, Westmoreland, Washington counties. Um, there is not good Internet service. Right. Uh, there is a monopoly on Internet service from the local cable company, and that's it. And so we run into a problem that if you want to listen to the Internet radio station, you probably have to use your airtime minutes. 
which for is your true. cell phone, which is true, which is expensive for a lot of people. So that is a real barrier um, that that we have kind of plateaued. The listenership has gone up every year. Um, we served something like fifty four hundred unique listeners mm-hmm. last year, right? Um, not all at one time, but. You know, people who tuned in regularly during the year, we had 5,400 people listen, which is pretty decent, except that there's 20,000 people just in the city of McKeesport alone. So even if, you know, even if all those listeners were just from the city of McKeesport and they're not, because I can see where they come from, we would have only have served one out of every four. Right. So it, it's a very biased towards people who are Internet savvy, number one. Um, one of the frustrations for, I mentioned we had a DJ who was like 85 years old, one of the frustrations he was having was his friends weren't tuning in the radio station yeah. because he would explain to them it's on the internet and they wouldn't know how to get to it, even though we make it as easy as you oh, can. Oh, yeah, definitely. There, there was a technological barrier. That was number one. Number two, even if they know how to do it, if they don't have good, cheap broadband service, which a lot of, if you're outside of the city of Pittsburgh, a lot of the area does not have. Um, Uniontown, Greensburg, Mount Pleasant, Brownsville included, uh, it's hard to listen to, to radio on the internet, um, you know, especially if you're on a DSL connection or, like I said, you're using your cell phone, you're eating up your airtime. Right. Uh, and that's a real that, – that, so that's, that's the, the, the flip sides of it. Number one, the programs that promote the most get the most listeners. Number two, there's a brick wall that you hit because it's only on the internet, whereas I can go to Goodwill and get an AM, FM radio for a dollar, you know – the internet there's still a lot more of a barrier as dem- as democratized as it has become um, you know if if you go to if you go to the library in uh, Uniontown and you start trying to listen to the radio on the internet connection there they're going to kick you out oh, exactly yeah, exactly <laughs> and, and that's true but the one thing i've noticed and i've been doing online work now which is hard to believe um, since 2006 because mm-hmm. i left WJPA and I told him, I said, it's easier for me to do it in my home than it is to do it at a station because the station's 40 minutes away. Mm-hmm. And I did it successfully for six years, took a break, and then all of a sudden realized, hey, I can do this again. And mm-hmm. um, the listenership is coming back, especially for the talk program. What I wish, and, I, and there's nothing you can do about it, I wish that for me, I'm in Brownsville, I wish McKeesport mm-hmm. was closer. Because mm-hmm. for me, that'd be awesome to go in and record in an actual studio, and being able to do that. Because I think that is, I think that is the the, the uh, thing that I miss most about doing radio is actually being in a studio again. And I've had the opportunity to go into other studios and do it, and people have offered me, uh, people have offered me part time work or fill in work and everything else. But because of what I do and because of a family, I don't have time anymore. Right. to be able to do a set schedule. And that's why this is more convenient. I still get the same feeling for the most part, especially when I listen to my own show, which I think probably the unique listener that I get every Wednesday morning when I'm on <laughs> is me for the days when I don't forget the program. But <laughs> which I, I I know, I know, I know. Life has been busy. But, um, but that's my fault. And I have to remember that I have a schedule now put together, so I do remember... But it's it's just getting people on it and being able to do it. Now, the other question for you, and the thing is, and I found this out by accident, mm-hmm. everybody has smart speakers. Mm-hmm. 
I can't get WMCK.FM on a smart speaker. Really? Because someone told me that that works. I, I don't have a smart speaker myself, but someone told me they, they said Alexa play WMCK McKeesport and that it played. But it gave me a station that is there is a WMCK. In Mary Mack College? Exactly. Uh, and, it, and it went on the air know, the, the same, the same day time. you guys did. The same time, you know, that's very, that's funny. Uh, yes, they went on at Merrimack College, which I think is in Massachusetts. Uh, they went on this like the same weekend yeah. that we did. And, you know, the reason we picked WMCK as the name right, is because we had, well, but there was a 13, 1360 AM was originally oh, WMCK. I didn't realize that. Uh, yeah, so that was a homage to the original WMCK. So when we were talking about, you know, what should we call the station, and we played with all kinds of names, Radio Free McKee Sport, and, <laughs> you know, silly, na silly names like that. Um, it just finally kept coming back to, no, why are we playing around? Let's just call it right. WMCK. Um, that's, but that's interesting that it picked the Merrimack station instead of us. Well, phooey. Um I, I don't know what to do about that. I, I do know that somebody said they, somebody had told me that they, they must have got lucky Siri then. Or Alexa. Yeah, they must have got lucky that day. Because uh, or they specified WMCK McKeesport and they picked it up. I have Google Home and I also have an Alexa and I've tried both. Um, now, the interesting thing is I can, because my program is in also podcast form, I can ask mm -hmm. for my program and it will bring it up, which I've never no, had, I've never had that opportunity before. Just out of curiosity, and again, I know I'm boring the entire That's, audience, hey, but if you, if you actually say WMCK.FM, does it pick the right one? No, it still does, because I've tried that. It still brings me up Merrimack, which I'm is frustrating. I'm shaking my fist at it right now. Yeah. yeah. Because what's interesting about it is, and how I brought this up, is a while back, Eric O'Brien and I were talking about it, and I was online. We were actually doing a program like this, and I said, oh, by the way, did you know? And he said that he did, but he didn't know if you knew whenever the station went on, because I guess those call letters are um, reserved the for Coast maritime. The, the Coast Guard has assigned them, oh God, we are really losing everybody. So the, the four-digit letters are assigned by the FCC, but certain letters are assigned to ships. Right. And this is really losing everybody. But before KDKA went on the air in 1920, there were radio stations, but most of them were on board ocean liners right. and ocean freight ships. And so the Coast Guard still reserves certain letters. And after WMCK changed to WIXI, W-I-X-Z, in 1969, the WMCK letters, for some reason, went to the Coast Guard. And they are assigned to a oil tanker, I think, correct, currently. Um, so we, one of the reasons why we decided to pick WMCK was that, as far as we could tell, no radio station actually had them. Right. Now, why Merrimack College didn't go to WMCC or WMER or, or whatever, whatever, I don't know, but, but they went to WMCK, and again, they, they did literally do it, and this is totally coincidence, like the same weekend that we did it, they went on, and they, they have been our, <laughs> there's, there's probably someone on a talk show right now in Massachusetts from Merrimack College saying, well, there's this stupid station outside of Pittsburgh, <laughs> and they got the same call letters as we do, and that's really confusing. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's been something that our I have a volunteer board of directors that oversees stuff, and it's it's been something we've talked about, like, 
um, should we be looking at different letters? Uh, and, and, you know, we just don't know at this point. Um, who, who knew? And we could pick different letters and have someone else claim them, so I don't know. I, th- uh, I think the, you should the, go for uh, Wixie, because they're not on. Wixie? Uh, I heard, no, I just saw on a news group, on one of the radio uh, broadcasting news groups, that someone is putting a Wixie back on. It's in Ohio, uh, isn't it? I think so. I think I saw yeah. that also, because I was surprised, and, it, and whoever it was has a Pittsburgh connection. Yeah. It, it, here's the thing, and, and call letters are really a holdover from the 1920s, right? Right. Um, other countries don't really use them anymore. If you listen to uh, radio from uh, England or Australia, you know, they identify by, you know, this is Radio London or this is Radio Sydney or this is BBC Radio One or whatever. They don't give you the call letters. No. Uh, in Canada, they give the call letters once an hour, but they don't go through the whole big rigmarole that we do in this country. Right. And, you know, KDKA Pittsburgh. Um they just they kind of slip it in at some point during the hour. Uh, so, you know, realistically, maybe we should have just been Radio McKeesport or something or Radio Mon Valley or Radio Mon Yawk or whatever. Um, but we wanted it to sound like we, we have treated it as a real radio station. Yeah. We program it as a radio station. We've got news several times a day. Um, we do the call letters at the top of the hour. Um, you know, as you know, I'm I'm pretty persistent about people making sure if you're going to do a show, make sure it's updated every week. Yep. Um, it should be to me. It should be as reliable radio. Sh- and I've said this to the students at Carnegie Mellon at WRCT. It should be as reliable as West Penn Power or Columbia Gas. Exactly. You should not have to question when you flip the switch on that the light is going to turn it's on. It's going to be there. Yeah. Should, yeah. It's going to. You know, if if you if you expect the radio show that you listen to. I think Jim Morgan has retired from MBS, right? But uh, if well, you listen, it depends on who you talk to, but yeah. <laughs> but if you listen to Jim Morgan at MBS, he should be there every morning. Exactly. Uh, if you listen to whomever, they should be there every every week at that same time, and that's what we've tried to treat. We try to respect the listener at WMCK that you know if if you're used to hearing a program at a certain time. You should hear that program at a certain time. Now, one thing you said earlier, and I, I was going to interrupt you then, but I'll do it now, mm-hmm. is you were Don't talking about me, your show. <laughs> you were talking about making this a training ground for younger people, mm-hmm. and yet you're noticing maybe at at, at Carnegie Mellon at, R- at mm-hmm. RCT that you're not seeing the same students go into it. What I think is yeah. what I think is interesting, and I and I teach. I don't know if you know that or not, but mm-hmm. I teach yeah. many communications on a high school level. Mm-hmm. And this past week, I've had students come to me over the year, and they said we want to do podcasts. Yeah, and I'm looking at them, going, "Why? Why would you want to do that?" Well, because we think it would be fun. I introduced them to podcasting, which I've been doing for almost uh, well, heck for at least uh, 15 years now, and they love it because sure. they can sit there and they can talk and they can be they can be as natural as they want, and uh-huh. they're doing this now, and all of a sudden, it's this new thing to them, and me, it's old technology. It's just packaged differently, and I'm thinking now that because of this, there may be a new, uh, a, a new um, interest in 
we'll put in air quotes, radio, that uh-huh. internet radio, because these kids are now listening to the stations in other parts of the country, and they're yes. realizing that if they can do this, they can do that. And I'm hoping that's what we end up doing with it. Podcasting is the new local radio yeah. to me. Um, it, 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 first of all, to me, audio, and, and having done some, some TV here in McKeesport, not very good TV, I will admit, but we, we've done some local, like some of the local events here in McKeesport, because yeah. we don't, you, you have a local cable access channel there. We don't have a local cable access. So TubeCityOnline.com has done some of the local events here yes. as video. Video, I thought when we started doing it, was twice as hard as radio. Oh, it's awful. It turns out it's like ten times as hard yeah. as radio. Um, I have such a new respect for the people who even do local news now because it is so much more difficult than audio. Audio, to me, is the greatest model train set mm-hmm. that has ever been invented. I agree. It is the greatest box of Lego blocks that has ever been invented. You listen to old-time radio drama, for instance, and with just a few sound effects or just a few background noises, you know, Dragnet can take you instantly to the police car, and you're, you're riding along with, with Joe Friday and uh, uh, Ben Romero in the squad car, and you're listening, you know, you're, you're interviewing the same suspect they are. Or, you know, name whatever old-time radio show, Fibber McGee in his closet, he opens the closet, and all the junk falls out. And it's funny, every single time he does it, and when they tried doing it in the movies, it wasn't as it funny. It didn't work. No. I don't know why, but it was funnier on radio because you, your imagination, as Stan Freeberg said, you know, your imagination could stretch a lot further than 29 inches on the TV screen. Right. And, so, I, and, if I, and that's why I think podcasting, they can do anything. And when I explained to the them, podcast, and, and when I do the advertising unit, I do with them too. I said, radio gives you so much more. I said, because when I tell you guys to think about your favorite car, everyone in the room is going to have a different favorite car. Different car. And it's like... Think, think what, about your ideal date for, for, for the prom. Exactly. It is whoever... Think about when you read a book, and, and, and I know a lot of people, when the Harry Potter movies came out, some of them were disappointed because, uh, what's his name, the, the actor, was Daniel not... Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe was not who they imagined as right. Harry Potter, right? So everybody puts their own imagination. They fill in the blanks. Um, I have never understood. I've, I've worked in commercial radio as well as in nonprofit radio. And, you know, I, I've worked with guys who didn't want to do a commercial. Mm-hmm. Like a commercial would come in and, oh, I have to, do, I have to read a commercial. And it's like, what, this is like the greatest toy box that the sponsor, well, you know, I remember crawling out in the parking lot because we were doing a commercial for the Ford dealer, and I had a Ford at the time, and I went out and, you know, the, the, the tagline was, uh, if you can find a better price, we'll give you the car. And these cars starting up on the commercial was my own car because right. I stretched the microphone out to the parking lot and recorded my car. This is the greatest Lego box, yeah. Lego block set you could ever have. So I can totally get why your students would be intrigued by podcasting. Because they can get sound effects. That's the other thing. When I started out, you were taking sound effects off of CDs right. or off of LPs. Now you can go to a website like oh, yeah, freesound.org yeah. or Amazon Music, and you can buy any sound effect you want. Oh, it's the greatest. Oh, it's amazing. And right now, I, and, and with you doing what you're doing with WMCK, I do the same thing, except I do it with the local cable station yeah. in Uniontown. And trying to find 
TV programming is next to impossible because everybody has these wonderful ideas. Hey, we could do this. And I said, go ahead, go do it. And then they realize, you mean you want me to do it? I said, yeah. I said, we're a volunteer organization. I can only produce so much. I mean, when I realized that I could sit a camera in my room, talk to you on the telephone, and then air this back as a TV program and people will watch it, I'm going, I like this. I enjoy doing it. And it gives somebody else an hour and so many minutes of information. And then we can actually use it in different formats. And to me... This is the best way of doing it because now you're getting you're getting both um, aspects of the interview, but people just think that it's so easy to produce it, and then no. they don't understand why you don't produce a lot of it. One one of the uh, one of the writers from the old Jack Benny show uh, wrote a book about his experiences working with Jack Benny. Uh, it's called, I think, just The Jack Benny Show. Um, Milk Joseph Berg is the author. And he talks about there was a script that one of the running gags on the radio show was that Jack Benny had his vault, the vault yeah. down in the basement. And, and there was a polar bear that guarded it and mm -hmm. alligators, and there was a moat and quicksand. And, you know, just with sound effects on the radio, they would have the polar bear growl or the alligator or the people floating in the quicksand or whatever. Um, he said the first time they tried that on TV, it cost, I don't remember what the number was, but let's say $50,000, because now all of a sudden they had to have a swimming pool, they mm -hmm. had to fill it with water, they had to fill it with quicksand, they had to have people in wetsuits, they had to have someone in a polar bear suit, they had to have a, a mechanical alligator, and he's like, all of a sudden it was a lot more complicated, this thing that we had been doing on the radio for years. Right. Uh, was a lot more expensive and complicated to try to do on TV. No, t TV, as as cheap as video editing equipment has become, TV is still a whole different animal than, oh, yeah. than, than audio. Yeah, it's much more daunting. So where do you see WMCK in the next, say, five years? Uh, well, and then, like I said, in the next couple of months, I hopefully see it in the McKeesport Daily News building. I, I don't know is the answer. Um the getting onto uh, Siri and Alexa is a challenge, and, and right. that's I'm glad you told me about that because it's something we've been kind of aware of, but I thought the problem had been solved. Obviously, it hasn't been. Um, you know, one thing that we are looking at is uh, what they call Part 15 broadcasting, which is ultra ultra low power. It's basically a, a, a slightly fancier Mr. Microphone. Okay, uh, so okay we're looking I understand. At putting some we're looking at putting some extremely low-power transmitters. We've got the bike trail, for instance, that continues down through Connellsville. Yes. Goes through McKeesport. So we're, we've been talking for a while about trying to get some little micro-power transmitters along the bike trail so that at least you could hear it on your cell phone or your transistor radio if you were on a bike or if you were on a boat on the Yakagani oh, River. That's a bad idea. Um, uh, so that's been one idea that we've had. Um, basically you know, the, doing, the other challenge. Basically what they do at a drive-in. Yeah, basically, what, yeah. it's exactly what they do at a drive-in or a talking house, yes. for instance. Uh, the, the other thing that we are concerned about, though, is the licensing requirements. The biggest single line item in our budget is paying the royalties yeah. to the music licensing companies, which, as you know, it's thousands of dollars yeah. a year. And none of that goes, or very little of it goes to the actual artists who make the music. Most of it goes to a handful of big companies, uh, Time Warner, uh, Sony, uh, a few others who own the copyrights on the songs. And that is becoming more and more onerous every single year. 
And there, there is a chance that it's going to come to a point where we can't play music at all because it's just going to be too expensive Plus, or too yeah. difficult. So that, that's, the, that's the thing that really worries me the most is that the royalties, which we, we do try to – not every Internet station pays the royalties, but we do try yeah. um, to comply. Uh, we're worried that the reporting requirements or the costs are going to be too expensive. So you know, the challenges for us are getting people better broadband access – making sure they can hear the station as easily as possible, and making sure we don't get priced out of the market. Right. But again, if you do, I can do I can do talk. It's real easy for me. I mean, that's, that's real simple. <laughs> we, we, we honestly discussed public domain music at one point on all Stephen Foster format. Uh, that would be interesting. An all piano roll format, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who um, would listen to it. But. So what the, the whole idea of moving to a new building, what's the purpose yeah. behind that? The city of McKeesport, um, when the when the daily the Daily News was was owned like a lot of the local papers by the Tribune Review. Yes. Uh, when Mr. Scaife uh, passed away, who was the publisher of the Tribune Review, uh, the Daily News and a lot of the other papers either were sold or closed. Um, so the city has purchased from the Tribune Review the former McKeesport Daily News building. They are reinventing it as a small business incubator. Um, and also as a community multimedia center. Gotcha. So the Allegheny County District Attorney's Office is going to have part of the building. They wanted space uh, for uh, to meet with local police officers, for instance, in this part of Allegheny County. Okay. But the rest of the building, the city would like to have technology businesses in and incubate them. Clever. And it's one of the reasons they asked us if we would consider could we afford to rent some of the studio space. They have made us a very attractive uh, price for the rent. We are paying the city rent, but they've made us a very attractive price. Um, and their idea is to incubate building. To, first of all, to get the building, make sure the building doesn't become vacant and abandoned, right. but also to incubate businesses. Our goal is to make it easier for people to come find us. So rather than trying to explain to people, well, we're in this church, but you have to be, be there at a certain time, and this church secretary will mm -hmm. let you in, and that we just tell them we're at the corner of Lyle and Walnut at the old Daily News building. Everybody knows where that is. Um, they can just come up and see us. We're, we are right now, one of the sticking points is uh, Senator Jim Brewster, who is the, the local uh, senator, was formerly the mayor of McKeesport, who is one of the people who has made this happen in McKeesport, getting this building. He wants us to have, he wants there to be a window that people can look in and see what's happening on the radio. Right. If you remember in Uniontown, WMBS used, yeah. Yeah, used to come to the big intersection there, and it was in the old, it was on that fishbowl, right? Yep. He wants people to be able to look in the window and see what's going on. So <laughs> right now we're working with the city public works department to try to cut a window into a wall so that people can look <laughs> in and see where we are. Um, so that's been a little bit of a challenge. He wants us to have this done by the end of the month, so we're really pushing the clock. You know but, the end of the month is next week, right? Uh, we do, oh, okay. uh, but we don't have a we we from a certain local came, uh, co uh, cable company who rhymes with uh, uh, Romrast um, <laughs> has not been able to hook our internet connection okay. up yet there. So without an internet connection, we're dead in the water anyway. Right, right, so right, right. that we are escalating to the very top levels of, of Romrast at this point uh, to try to get that resolved. Uh, it's only we're only moving two blocks down Walnut Street, but we might as well be moving to the dark side of the moon as far as Romrast is, is considered. What I think is really impressive, and, and I'm, what I'm familiar with McKeesport, is that the community, especially the leaders of the community, have basically embraced you guys. 
because they mm. see you as a media outlet that's PR for the community. Yeah, we, we are and we aren't. I mean, we try to, you know, the, the old cliche is, you know, balls and strikes. We try to call balls and strike. So we try to, we, I, I heard it once as, as we don't go around uh, painting smiley faces on bomb craters. So there's a lot of problems in the McKeesport community, right. and, and we're aware of that. Um, it, it, like any of the other cities, Uniontown, Connellsville, uh, Charleroi, Manesson, you know, we, we have suffered from people moving out and from a lot of blight. Um, and with blight comes crime. We've got a lot of people who are really struggling to get by. So we have tried to tell that story honestly on our websites and, and on, the, on the radio. Um, but on the other hand, we're not there to kick people when they're down. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the thing that, you know, if you are in Beaver Falls or Ambridge or McKeesport uh, and the, or Clareton and the Pittsburgh news media only comes to kick you in the teeth when you're down, right. then that's a problem. And that was a problem that we, um, as a nonprofit corporation, as Tube City Online, uh, saw very early on, that, that they only wanted to come here. We, we want to tell both the good and the bad. They only kind of want to come out with the bad. Right. And that is something that definitely, with the loss of the local media voices in Brownsville, Charleroi, uh, uh, wherever else, um, that you don't have the people embedded in the community like you used to. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have the people who are invested in, hey, my fortune rises and falls on the community's fortune rising and falling. You have instead at the major network affiliates in Pittsburgh sort of a revolving door of reporters who last month they were in Clarksburg, West Virginia. This month they're in Pittsburgh. Hopefully next year they want to be in Los Angeles or Chicago or something. They want to be in a bigger market. Right. Um, I'm not planning to go to any bigger markets at this point unless they run me out of town. You know, if the <laughs> county sheriff shows up with a subpoena, I will be on the first bus to Kankakee, Illinois. There you go. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I'm not, look, I'm, I, you, know, we, you know, my wife and I own a house here. We've put down roots here. We're involved in the community. Um, we're not trying to kick people in the teeth. We're not trying to poke fun at anyone, uh, make fun of the problems that, that we, we know that there, there are problems in the community. We're not trying to hide them. But we're trying to say that there are good things happening, too, and it balances out. Um, and I think that is why. If, if the community has, has embraced us, I hope they have. Uh, I hope that's why, Be- because we, we, care. we care about these people. And that, and we're, not afraid to tell, we're not afraid to tell them if they're full of hot soup, but we care about them. But, but you can tell, and I think that's very important that you can good. tell. One yeah. more thing before I let you go. Yeah. You and I are both ham operators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, are you planning on getting your general license anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's interesting that you say that. Uh, <laughs> I actually, I just changed my, my ham call to W3MCK. Right. Um, for, from something else, and I, I, I contribute a cartoon every month to CQ Amateur Radio Magazine, and, and my editor asked me, what happens if you ever move away from a keyboard? Are you going to have to change your call again to something else? And I, I hadn't thought of that problem. Uh, but anyways, am I ever going to get my general ticket? Uh, the answer is yes. Um, the answer is it's about 3,942 on my list of things yeah. that have to be done. That's where it is on starting mine, with the, too. With, yeah, starting with all the things that have to be done around this house. Yeah. Um, and, and continuing down through, you know, 
learning to play the piano, uh, <laughs> visiting uh, a couple more foreign countries, you know, getting my general um, – and again, we're losing the audience, but but you, I guess you like me have a technician class license, which yeah. limits the the frequencies you're allowed to be on. The, the really fun frequencies, the one where you get to talk around the world. Right. Uh, you have to have at least a general class or higher uh, classification of license. And yeah, I've it's it's pure laziness. Um, you know, I, I it, what's what's interesting is I, I spent more time, especially when we were building the first studio for WMCK. I spent more time figuring out resistance and capacitance values and uh, chasing down ground loops and all these other ham radio problems than I had probably spent in the previous 15 years with a ham radio license. Uh, but I just have not buckled down and taken the test. So at some point, I need to buckle down and take the test. Well, I, I'm in so the same. I have access to the fun bands. I'm in the I'm in the same boat you are right now because I've been talking about it and I pick up the book and I have this and everything else and I look at it and I go gung-ho for two weeks and then I put it down and forget about it for a month and you know I what just... I need what I had when I got the initial license I was working at the McKee Sport Daily News actually mm-hmm. and my friend uh, the late Marie Havria her and her husband I think both were either uh, I think they were they might have been extra class um, at the time uh, and she was my editor and she just kept ragging me yeah. why don't you get your ham license why don't you get your ham license why don't you get your ham license? Why don't, and finally, I went to University of Pittsburgh on a Saturday afternoon, took the ham radio license, and I came in Monday morning and slapped it down on the news desk, and I said, there. I got it. You've, you've been ragging me for six months. I got my license. And she said, fine. What are you getting your general license? Uh, you yeah. got your tech class license. What do you get your general license? Yeah. Um, so I need someone to, to ride my butt. So uh, well. unfortunately, Marie passed away uh, several years ago now. Um, but I, I, I have not had someone uh, yanking my chain like she well, did. So, the, 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 what do, This is going to sound really vain, but the reason I got mine, one of the reasons, I've always wanted it, and I never had time. Well, I finally did it just so I could get the license plate for the back of my car. <laughs> well, you know, I, heard, I had somebody say that uh, they got one of those license plates for their car, and they said uh, complaints about ham radio interference in their neighborhood went up 500%. <laughs> And, and they they went back down as soon as they got rid of that license plate. I'm so you sure. might want to uh, you, you you might want to consider the uh, TV interference complaints. Uh. Well, lucky for me, I haven't had that issue as of yet. But uh, okay, good. I haven't had that issue. So, when do you plan on being in the new building? Uh, well, we've already signed the lease. We've started moving equipment over again. A lot of it uh, relates to Romrast. Okay. Um, but I can say that the city of McKeesport is having a ribbon cutting uh, on February 11th. Um, I know a bunch of dignitaries have been there. I think it's February 11th at noon uh, for people who are in the northern part of the Mon Valley uh, from the Fayette County listening area. If they know where the McKeesport Daily News building is, it's the corner of Lyle and uh, Walnut Street. Um, I sure there will be some sort of refreshments there. I think they're going to do tours. It's a cool old building. Um, so we will have some presence in there for the, by February 11th, come hell or high water. Um, we are hoping that we're actually up and broadcasting uh, there by February 11th. For now, uh, we are at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in McKeesport. They've been very good landlords to us. Um, we've been very blessed to, to have the space, no pun intended. Um, but, uh, you know, we're kind of cramped there, and, and we're looking to spread our wings a little bit and grow. And um, so, yeah. We'll have some presence there by February 11th. We hope we're broadcasting from there by February 11th, but uh, 
stay tuned. Uh, we're waiting to hear, like I said, from, from the cable company that they've made the Internet connection. That's good. So uh, one more thing. How many programs yeah. are actually airing on WMCK right now? What a good question. Uh, uh, let me see. It, it fluctuates. Um, we, we just had one program leave, but we had another new one come on. Um, we, we repeat most of the programs, including yours, three times a week. Or we repeat it twice. There's an there's a original airing and then right. two repeats. The reason we do that is because of the music licensing issues, we do not have the license to broadcast music on demand. Um, oh, so we okay. have to broadcast it as a traditional radio station would. Um, the reason that the radio, that the music licensing is set up that way is that so that I can't say, hey, next Saturday, we're going to broadcast the entire Beatles White Album and then put it up as a download right. that you can download for free. So that's what the record companies do not want us to do. So to get around that, we move the programs around. Um, weekday mornings from 10 a.m. until noon, we have a program out of Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, hosted by a former truck-driving teamster named Rick Smith. Um, he broadcasts politics and union issues and working-class issues. It was a voice that we did not hear at all in the Pittsburgh area, so I called Rick when we signed on, and I said, hey, can we use your program? He said, sure. So we throw a donation at him uh, once a week. So we have that weekday mornings from 10 a.m. until noon. Um, we have your program on uh, three times a week. Uh, we have uh, the Electric Crush, which is a punk rock program. We have Eric O'Brien's show, which is uh, easy listening music. Um, we have a big band program on on uh, uh Sunday mornings, I think. We also have a bluegrass music program on. Uh, we've got old-time radio on on uh, Sunday evenings, 7 o'clock. Jack Benny, back in the day, was on Sunday nights at 7, coast mm -hmm. to coast. So we have Jack Benny at Sunday nights at 7. Um, so I don't remember. There's, there's more than, I think there's more than a dozen different programs now. Um, and things are coming and going. Um, you are not directly in the McKeesport area, but you're awfully close. Uh, I'm in the Mon Valley. You're in the Mon Valley, so I, I mean, you know, we're looking for new program hosts all the time. Uh, the the two things that we ask people to do is make sure you do if you're going to commit to doing it, make sure you do a new program every week, um, and also have fun. Those are basically the two rules, right? Uh, and because we're located in a church right now, and we will soon be located in a city-owned building, keep it PG-rated. Yes, yes, um, yes. You know, keep it, keep it. You know, you can talk about serious topics, but remember that you don't know who might be, the bishop might be listening, the priest might be listening, or pretty soon the mayor might be listening. Exactly. So you you can talk about something controversial, you can talk about something adult, but try try to do do it in a mature manner. Um, other than that, have fun. Those are the basic rules. Um, so we're always looking for new disc jockeys. We're looking for new program hosts um, in the new building. There's going to be parking. There's going to be an elevator, which we didn't have an elevator in the old building. It was very difficult for some people to make it up all the stairs. Um, and it's going to be right on a transit line. Uh, so even if someone doesn't have reliable <laughs> transportation, they can jump off the bus, walk up the stairs, That's or good. take the elevator upstairs, and, and do a show. Uh, so, yeah, um, so, those are the kind of benefits that it offers. So with the window going in, yeah, is there going to be a speaker on the street? so they can listen to programming. I have not exactly discussed that with the mayor yet. Because uh, that's the way Mike it used Trepko, to be in the old days. Yeah, Mike, Mike Terepko, if you're listening for some reason, uh, Mayor, uh, we need to discuss that. I would like to have that. Um, 
even if it's got a volume knob that people can turn it on and off, uh, I'd like people to be able to just walk by and, oh, hey, there's this radio station. What are they doing right now? Oh, that's terrible, and they can turn it back off. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, that is definitely something that we would like. Um, we have to be mindful of the fact that there are going to be other tenants in the building. Right. Um, so that's one of the reasons why the, the idea of having, like, a very low power, like, less than one watt, like you said, drive-in type yeah. uh, FM transmitter appeals to us because then you could listen, you could park your car there and listen to it, or you could have it on your, most people's cell phones now have an FM radio built in. Yes. You can listen to it on your cell phone for free um, and not disturb anyone else, not bother anyone else. The whole speaker thing, what's interesting to digress for a minute, I did a community day in White Oak Borough, which is the next town over, and um, I brought a very little like a 20-watt PA amplifier and a small speaker and there, uh, because I didn't want to bother anybody else. And the mayor came over at one point and said, could you crank that up a little louder? Because we were at a baseball field, and she's like, I, we can't hear it out in the outfield. And I'm thinking, okay, I was trying to keep it quiet. Right. You want more volume. <laughs> Never had that complaint before. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, yes, we would love to have that, but we're also mindful of the fact that the district attorney's office will be there and, Again, if the sheriff shows up with a subpoena, I <laughs> nowhere to be found. And the other thing you need to look look into for future is doing this the whole programming idea on shortwave radio. That should be next. We, you know what? And again, I know someone who has been on uh, WBCQ uh, up in Monticello, Maine, and he asked me at one point, "Hey, how'd you like to be on shortwave?" And I thought, "That's the last. I need that like another hole in the head." Um, <laughs> But, yeah, we've, we've even, because there are no AM and FM frequencies available, yeah, we've looked at that. The problem with shortwave, and this is a topic for another program, is in the United States, shortwave stations are not allowed to broadcast to Americans. I know that. They have to, they have to be aimed outside the country. So we would have to, we, we would not be allowed, to, we, if, if we had the transmitter in McKeesport or the Mon Valley somewhere, we would have to aim it to South America or Central America or something. Um, so who would want to listen to, you know, Why not? interviews with people from McKeesport in uh, Cuba. Belize? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, Cuba. We could, we could jam Radio Havana. There you go. There's, there we go. There you go. We could jam it to Radio Havana. <laughs> well, Jason. We could jam it to Merrimack College, actually. That's who we need to be jamming to. <laughs> That would, yeah, that would be interesting. Aim it right to them. Right, right there. Just pinpoint yeah. it to that dorm that right, that station's right, coming yeah. out of. Exactly. So, well, Jason, I appreciate you taking time tonight to talk with us. And, I uh, thank you for your interest. This was a lot of fun. It was a pleasure. And uh, hopefully, we can do it again real soon. And I'm looking forward to seeing the new studio. I, I'm looking forward to seeing you there, Bill. Hey, good luck. Hey, thank you take very care. much. We'll talk to you next time. Yes, take care. Thank you. Uh, Jason Toger of WMCK.FM. And uh, again, as you've heard, I have a program that airs there every Saturday at 5. The time has been bumped up. Uh, it's called America's Classic Standards. Also, Monday at 5, two-hour program, and Wednesdays at 8 a.m. here on WMCK.FM, and you're watching us on Fayette TV Channel 77, also on YouTube, and you're listening to the podcast on italkradio.us. Again, that's italkradio.us. Hopefully uh, you enjoyed the show. Coming up later this week on Thursday Night Live, we have Chris Brogan. Uh, he is a uh, 
uh, how do I want to put it, an internet mogul. He's a marketing uh, person with, uh, he, him and I met quite a few years ago when I started podcasting, and he has a big marketing presence in the internet industry. We'll talk to him. And then uh, next week, we have, um, who do we have next week? We have uh, Brienne Bear Mitchell, who is uh, going to be on the program. Her daughter wrote a book about the Mon Monongahela Mermaid. And we're going to be talking about that. It's about conservation in the Mon Valley and the Monongahela River. Looking forward to that. And then, of course, a friend of a program, Mr. Clark Ingram, will be on the program in a couple of weeks. And we're going to be talking about UHF stations of way back when and also the Dumont television network that lived briefly in the Pittsburgh area on Channel 2. So we'll be talking to him and we'll be talking to more people as we make more arrangements for people to come on the program. If there's anybody you'd like me to get in touch with, all you have to do is give me a call and we're going to do open line conversation here um, in the near future at 724-505-1955. Again, that's 724-505-1955. And uh, we will pretty much talk about whatever is going on in your world. Oh, and one more coming up. Joe Woes, the cartoonist. I forgot all about him. It just popped into my head. We'll be talking to him in the next couple of weeks, too, and the schedule will be posted on uh, online, and uh, we'll be able to share that with you. Looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of people have uh, responded positively about the program, especially with the uh, guests we've had recently, from Jeff Frizzell to Sally Wigan to Clark Ingram to, uh, oh, we've had uh, quite a few, Jason Jack Miller, and uh, others that have been on the program since we brought everything back in October. And again, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can. The phone number is on your screen at 724-505-1955. Again, that's 724-505-1955. Everybody, you have a great night, great day, great evening, whatever time you're listening or watching to us, and we'll talk to you next time. Here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Meyer Brand Snacks promise the great value you expect with a quality guarantee in every bite. And summertime snacking is our most favorite snacking season of all, because Meyer Brand makes it deliciously easy. From new lemonade flavors to classic ingredients for backyard s'mores to creamy ice cream varieties like new limited edition purple cow by Meyer Very Berry Americana with ribbons of real strawberry and blueberry swirls waving in creamy vanilla ice cream. Stop into Meyer and discover big taste and bigger savings on Meyer Brand summertime snacks. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Have you guys noticed that you can't go anywhere without seeing designer this or designer that, even designer furniture? On my social feeds and celebrity homes, it's everywhere. Have you seen how expensive these are? Well, if you want the sofa or recliner or bed that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends, but without the designer prices. Oh, and they're well-made, too. It's the whole package. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. 
Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.